Yeah, I've got some other, like a lot of bands in the pipeline that I could share with you kind of off the record right now. Mm, sure. Um, <clears throat> put an offer out to to the to, um, we should have they, she said, said that she wants to come um, and then the maybe oh, is another shit. band. Dude, dude, you're killing me here. I'm like, my mind is reeling. We love this music and we know what we are talking about. We've got opinions and we're not afraid to say them out loud. We already know if this is Scott. Cause this is Horn Pod. Horn Pod. Horn Pod. Welcome to Horn Pod, a ska podcast. I'm JJ, official Star Wars canon name, Loy, and I'm joined by Matt Wixon. JJ, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good. You know, my name is now a Star Wars canon name. I get uh, you're part of it now, baby. Finally, a Loy we can be proud of. Uh, I've for years I've already had, oh shit, Wu Tang Clan sparked a Wixon, and now you yes. have a. <laughs> <laughs> now, and if, and of course the mustard plug lyric right i was i'm always jealous of the mustard plug lyric and you now have a star wars character who shares your name mm, yeah we haven't done like a big star wars uh chat since uh rise of skywalker came out right we did like a little yeah, yeah we episode. did that little yeah kind of by accident <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh yeah we have not talked about star wars lately but uh i did watch andor and i absolutely loved it yeah me too knockout yeah uh that's that's like the kind of after the last jedi um which i also love uh yeah. I was like, you know what? They they gave us a glimpse of like all the other stuff in the universe. I want to see more of it. Yeah. And like that's what this was. And I loved it. Yeah. I've upset some people by saying I don't ever want to hear anything about Obi-Wan Kenobi ever again. Sure. <laughs> because I also really liked the the Obi-Wan show. I'm not gonna front. Yeah. But after that show, like I'm like, okay, that closes the book though, right? We're done with Obi-Wan. Know the whole story. Yeah. We're we're there can't I don't want to hear about him like like a, an artsy, like eight part series about him, like getting s stranded, going to the mail, <laughs> the mail planet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, like you can't just squeeze every bone. I'm done. Uh, just show yeah. me other people in Star Wars and how they're reacting in this world to the stuff that's going on that we know about already. Well, what I love about it too, is with every Star Wars thing they release, it takes the pressure off of the bad stuff. Like when it was just the prequels coming out and, and right. that was like, oh, this is George Lucas's final word on Star Wars. I guess this is what it is. <laughs> like it really sucked. But then as soon as more movies came out, it's like suddenly the prequels are just like, oh, well, okay, fine. <laughs> like, right. If, if I didn't like point. Rise of Skywalker, no big deal. It's not the final word. It's not. Right. You right. know, and now that stuff like Andor is coming out, it's just like, okay, there's just like so much room to breathe now. That Star Wars can just be so many things. It can just be kid stuff or the failed stuff or, you know, all of it. It can be all of it. And I'm fine. Like, I, I want like, I want gritty, grittier Star Wars. Cause I know we're already kind of getting gritty Star Wars in some of the TV shows. Um, like I'm stoked that some of the characters from Rebels are coming into a live action setting. Cause Rebels is yeah. I still think the best Star Wars property yet. Yeah. 
It would be cool. It would be cool. Oh, I guess we are going to see Ezra and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Well, I guess we can't talk Star Wars too much because we do have a lot of great content for this for this episode. We have uh, two sets of guests. I guess we, we should say we've got we've got. Uh, yeah, we just wanted to talk to a bunch of people about yeah, a bunch. We've of got stuff. a bunch of people to introduce on this episode here. So. Tonight on the show, we have Ali Presses and Danny Presses of Stop the Presses, as well as Agent Jay Nugent of the Slackers. He mixed their brand new record, Got It, which is out now. It's on Jump Up Records. It's very good, and we are very excited to have all of them here to tell us about. Yeah, welcome to the show. Thanks yeah. for having us. What's up? I know it's weird to have Jay here to talk about Stop it's the always, Presses. It's always weird having me anywhere, trust me. <laughs> And with that, we're booting him. Um, no, we, but like when I, when I heard this record, uh, like after a couple songs, the first thing that hit me was like, man, this kind of sounds like the crazy bald head stuff that's been coming out the last couple of years. Not in like the arrangement and it, they're not like the same kind of songs, but, but there's like some, in textures. there's, there's something sonically in there. And so that's why Jay is here. And I'm, I want to get into that in a little bit, but first I want to talk to, uh, Ellie and Danny about about the band in general. It's my understanding you've you started in Florida and now you're in New York. That's correct. Yeah, uh, in uh, good old sunny, funny Florida. Uh, we we both grew up in South Florida as kids down there. We met, uh, started playing music, and toured around, did some stuff, got some you know some you know cool stuff under our belts, and we were like, all right, we want more. Let's do more. And uh, welcome to New York City. <laughs> so you, when did you move to New York? <laughs> Um, what was it? 2015. Yeah. It was right after we got married. Ooh. Yeah, we used all of the money that we got from our wedding to move. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that was so the dream. <laughs> you you got married and took took each other's stage name. That's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> so was uh, it just the two of you in the band at the time? No, we were just a four piece back then. And um, everybody moved up. No. No. Yeah, uh, it was. It we was already. A, we can cut that part if you want. No, no, no. It was open. It wasn't. It wasn't like. Um, I mean, it was like halfway running away from where we were, but it wasn't a closed door. It was just. Uh, you know, Florida's nine hours long. People aren't like as serious down there about being in bands. Um, kind of like. Maybe it was that, the timing. Yeah, I think the timing of it all. So. We just. We just had yeah, like a few like we had a few different members in a few different positions and it was just like, all right, you know, I, we really wanted something more stable and, um, and all this stuff. And we kind of just left with, you know, our, our instruments and our dreams. And um, we were very, very fortunate to meet Jack and Steve here through uh, Mr. Eric Dano, uh, dear sweet human being uh, front of the holophonics, also a new record yeah. uh, right out. Um, Great human being hooked us up with homies 
from Long Island. They all kind of like knew each other for years from the music, uh, the music educational scene out there. And uh, so Jack and Steve are 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 the loves of our lives, our children, our uh, partners are like um, are are people who are definitely going to get indicted. Um, <laughs> and I think it should also be noted too that it was like, okay, we're going to New York. We at the time were like really into Crazy Bald Head and all of the stuff that Jay was mixing, and we were like, we're going to go to New York. We're going to put together the songs that we want. And I'm going to show him these songs and we're going to ask him if he will help us to produce our record, which was Money in the Bank. And that was from 2019, right? Yeah, it was about, I think it was like, because it took us a couple of years to get like sure. acclimated to New York, you know, like Florida's a lot different. Um, so it was like around 2018. And New York is a is a big pond. It's not a small pond, you know? It's not a small pond. No, we had to get it together. Dude, fuck all of that, like. You like you can't even get to New York and jump right in the water. You like you, <laughs> yeah. like New York beats the shit out of you, dude. You have to like level up to New York before you even like feel like you can do anything before you have feet under you. And you guys, before you moved, also were playing a little bit different kind of music. I mean, not not a significant difference, but it's a definite. It's definitely a little like more trad, more old. Now, I think, if that's fair. Well, when Danny and I first started playing together, we were in a completely different band. It was like, it was punk rock, surf rock, ska influences. And we always really liked reggae. And mm -hmm. I feel like the rhythm section we had at the time kind of dictated how those early albums, like Escondolo, came out. Yeah, kind of dictated like the way the music went. And then Danny and I being the songwriters... We always were like, we want to be more roots. We want these rhythms. We want this. Yeah. And yeah. it was really hard. You know, we were in a band with all of our friends and we were really young and we were kids and you can't, it, it was, it was like really tough to get a grasp of what we were going for. Mm -hmm. No, I, I know exactly what that's like. Cause I tried to start a band once uh, that I wanted to sound like Hepcat. And like, we couldn't do ska well at all. And I'm like, I don't want to do ska poorly. And so I, it just turned into a three-piece punk band instead. <laughs> yeah. uh, because I'm like, I want to play with these guys, but we can't fucking, I can't do this kind of stuff with them. Yeah. I don't think you can fake it. And we, like in yeah. Florida, South Florida and, and in Miami, we were doing a lot of like reggae Wednesdays, you know, Thursday night cover nights. And we, okay. I feel like it was, it was Danny and I were like, let's do these gigs. Cause, and we played Slackers tunes also. We have to learn these rhythms, right? We learned tons of Bob Marley, if you get it, like all the keyboard parts, all of that yeah. stuff that like helped us to kind of get our chops and like, no, actually, this is the rhythm we should be playing. These are the bass lines. This is the keyboard. You know what I mean? Like, it kind of helped us to understand the language. Yeah, yeah, when you learn those songs, like, note for note, you find out the right way to play that yes. stuff. Yeah. Because you, uh, if you're faking it, you never really learn it. Right. That's essentially it, dude. And I, and I, like, that's, like, I feel like the number one difference that was the evolution was that we started to, like, realize that we had the bass drum on the wrong beat or that like the yeah. the bass phrases should be longer you know or like any right. of these like subtle things that were just like immediately now you're playing uh something a little deeper and all this stuff and we just wanted to dive more into that and then another part of it was that like our music was always like more on the weird side than on the like 
pop sign, which like kind of led to a lot of people just standing and watching us, uh, <laughs> which is great. But we like we also like wanted to like make a commitment to like as we were learning these things to be like, all right, people can't stop moving. We right, can do right. all the weird shit that we want to do, but people cannot stop moving. Yeah. Um, and that those are those are the ingredients. level was and then like yeah exactly they were sort of like all right i hope these songs are good enough uh hey agent yeah. j would you um would you and he did his response the most was like, nerve-wracking moment yeah, of our honestly, lives i know and his response was just like yeah send me the tunes um which i like i genuinely like really helped to just be like all right this is actually oh cool and will happen and then like victor rice showed up to our um recording session and all of that went out the window and it was just like all right can we like please <laughs> like, yeah that's right he came in and visited that's right that was the summertime session i had done the fuss that winter and it was fucking freezing right. and then i remember we did your record <laughs> in june and it was hot and i remember one day i was late to the session because I, I like the gay pride parade was happening and so like like every parade or presidential visit it cuts the city in half so like getting to the west side was like well, I thought that was something they'd invented for Seinfeld. <laughs> no, that's a thing, man. It's like literally, oh, I have to literally go to South Street Seaport, you know, like South Ferry, the very bottom of the island, right. or I have to like go up to Washington Heights to cross to the west side. It's one of those things. Yeah. But anyway, I got there. But yes, now I remember that. Did you approach Jay in person first? So we, yeah, we got to the city. We were we were already in the city now for a couple of years, and we had the songs like demoed on GarageBand, and then we met up like somewhere in Brooklyn, and it was like okay, right, we met at that yeah. some cafe near my place. Yeah, it was a it was a FaceTime message, so it was like right. kind of a little stress, but also like kind of just out into the atmosphere because we were right. like, and we were worried because we're like well, at this time I think we had sent you the demos, and when we were and we were like he hasn't said anything when he's like them like we were like going through all of this stuff in our head. And then we had that meeting and you're like, oh, I haven't heard him yet. And we were like, oh my God, or something like that. Like it was something like Oh, was I like, had I did I not realize I got them or was I just yeah. like unprepared was, for the meeting? And was I just like, uh, oh no, I think it was more like you didn't know that we had sent them, right? Right. I think yeah, you're like, he hates us. And he's like, wait, I haven't listened yet. It was like a Dropbox link separate email situation <laughs> or something like that. Cause Dropbox like sends man through their own shit. But the uh, communication breakdown. It happens to all of us. It was it was honestly not even. And also, I I knew like from playing with you guys, like yes. Churchills and stuff. Like I knew the they you know unless you guys took a drastic left turn, but it's sort of like okay, this isn't going to be a waste of my time. You guys like know how to be in a band. You guys know how to <laughs> have songs and start them and play them and finish them. So it's like yes, well, do if you're coming to me, you obviously want something that I do. You know uh, that you know, you've heard something that I do that you think can improve what you're doing. So I was like, sure, what do you got? Let's let's do this, you know? Yeah, you, you so, only want bands that want you as a producer, right? <laughs> I mean, 
I only want bands that want to give me money. You know, they may not want me. To and I'm like, there's definitely some bands I'd want to produce that don't want me to produce them. So I wouldn't say that. <laughs> so wait, so now, so now you're in the session and Victor Rice shows up? I think I invite him. He happened to be in town. Yeah. Okay. And he had never seen Relic Room, which uh, they just have great old gear and their engineer, Josh Hahn, really knows what he's doing. And um, it's a nice room. And so I was like, hey, is it all right? And he knew who Vic Rice was, but never met him. And he was like, yeah, totally invite Vic Rice. I'd love to meet him. So I was like, hey, you should, if you're in the city, you should check out the studio. So he came through and hung out. And he's always a great guy to have around. He's just, you know, a vibes guy. Like he's just yeah. very positive and always has great advice and adds good mojo to the session, you know? No, it was just very nerve wracking for like the first five minutes. And then that, he was just like a super great, normal ass dude. Like, you know, most people ever are. But it was just that, you know, like that kind of like zero to 60 thing of like, holy shit, dude, these are all like real ass people. Um, and we're like able to do this real ass record. <laughs> yeah. Um so when you guys moved to New York, uh Jay mentioned like, you know, these guys want something I can give them. And you mentioned shopping around or at least doing your research, seeing who's in town. Who did you look at and why what was it in Jay's catalog that you were like, yeah, Jay's got it? We didn't even really look around. Jay was the first choice. It was like, we had been listening to... Right answer, right answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what it was that you had just actually, like, mixed recently, like, right before that. But it was, like, maybe, like, the second or third thing that I'd heard you do, including, like, your own... Um, uh, maybe earlier. the first record or, or maybe some of my own stuff, maybe some Slacker singles or something had come out then. But that's always one of those weird things where it's, like, you know, almost like you know getting asked to the prom where it's like do i want to know if they've asked five other people to the prom yet you know like <laughs> I'm just the I, last jerk on the list like you know i don't you know. mean that who did they get turned down by i i was just like wondering like who they're who they were considering like they're if they were like you know we could go to channel tubes but you know that's not what we want like if there's anything like that quit picking on jay <laughs> no, it, it was honestly literally yeah. that. The, 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 <laughs> that's the, all I was explaining my question, and that's all. Well, and we should also note, like in Miami, yeah, right. we did we had play the with the slashers right. often. Like we every yeah. time they down, we played with them at Churchill's. So we knew like you know, these are good right. guys, and this is gonna be um and, you know, hopefully a good session. I, I'll say that we were nervous about the session. We didn't really know what to expect before that. We were working with our mentor, uh, Fernie Coipel, who did those two, the early two albums in Florida and then our only right left record, uh, which is supposed to our old band. And he was like, I'm telling you, like, like a father to Danny and I. So it was like a family. So it was hard being like, OK, we're moving from, you know, the shack where we used to record. This is like our home. Um, and now we're going with somebody completely new. So we were like, and we wanted to be someone we kind yeah, of beyond. Yeah, even beyond that, it was like new home new city new sound new band new new like everything and it was uh a lot of things and then like like i said dude um jay was was uh number one on the call list to begin with and it was like all right we'll start there and we'll see how it fucking goes and then it went way too easily (laughs) (laughs) you gotta up them prices jay yeah, we stopped. I know. I'm always, you know, it's one of those things. It's like you want, you realize you're getting the call because people know you. And it's like, oh, it's the friends and family price. But it's like, you know, it's very word of mouth. Like everyone's kind of friends. Everyone, yeah. Scott's is kind of a small scene. And you don't want to, 
you know, it's a lot of work to produce a record. It's a lot of time. And mm -hmm. there's like, it's one of those things that it's not like you punch out after eight hours and it's done. It's like, if it's not in the can, if it does, if, if it sounds like shit, it's not done yet. You know, if it's not all recorded, it's not all mixed. It's not done till it's done. So you're signing on for a big thing. So it's like yeah. being a contractor, you have to like figure out how long is this going to take? And I'm still dialing it in. Like I'm still doing friends records that are like, Oh, that's right. I have to kind of factor how long this is going to take. It's, you you know, it's that like, it's that last yard that takes forever, like getting it in the end zone. Like you, you're there, like, you know, fucking you're there like first and 10, you know, so you're good. And then it's just like trying to get it, you know, that last yard is the always the hardest part. And like, mm -hmm. that's what takes most of the time. You think you're like, Oh good. We're going to be done in a week. I'm going to have all these mixes done. Then it's like, six weeks later you're still tinkering <laughs> with like the vocal level and mix you know against the bass level and because there's such a big difference between a and a plus that's what's the yep. problem yeah and it's going against this there's some good sounding shit out there like you mentioned too yeah um you know roger revis uh, uh a lot of people are like turning Tickla. out and, and, yeah i mean that yeah it's like he doesn't really mess with the scene nor does tubes too much but i mean like right the well East, i know sounds great um but even just and even then like more pop ska stuff like that stuff sounds super polished and radio so it's like the days when you know like the 90s when it's like oh yes but we did this on an eight track in a basement and you got points for that you don't right. get points for that anymore you know it, it sounds good or it doesn't you know, people are making yeah. radio quality records on their fucking iPhones. You know, well, one of the things that I like about this record, and I think I may have said it to some of the people on this call separately, uh, is that it's like it feels a, like it's very Jamaican and like a like a crazy bald head kind of record with like a very pop presentation to it. That and I, I, I right and i think it's such a a sweet balance of like of like jamaican and pop music and and to be fair i think that there's still plenty of weird in here mm -hmm. uh and i know you're like we're we had to deal with the amount of weird and there's still plenty of weird and actually like earlier earlier this afternoon before we hopped on this call i was playing guitar along to uh to got it and because playing along to a record makes me hear it in a different way. And I'm like, fuck, man, this is this is way more complicated than it sounds like. This is a kind of a weird record. <laughs> I got to say, I like in particular with Stop the Presses, like I've done a few other and did a couple of Fuss records, a bunch of my own stuff, lots of other bands I've done individual mixes for or series of mixes for over the years. Um, but you guys, I got to say, I learned the most from, especially about arrangement. And like how you guys record where I'm like, um, like I'll know, I remember the first record we did, like Danny, you came in, like you kind of were cutting guitar parts and you were kind of putting a lick here, a lick there. And I was like, okay, he's just kind of adding some guitar flavor. And then like months later, Al, you came in and did backing vocals and like keyboard parts. And they like linked up to the guitar stuff that had been cut like months earlier either like led into it or became a counterpoint of it or did a harmony or unison of it. And I was like, oh, wow, they're not just putting down flavor. Like these are all like teeth on a gear. Like all of this shit is fitting together. I was really impressed by that. And I actually tried to put a lot of that 
into Go Oasis, my last full length. That was like almost a direct, you know, kind of answer record to the Stop the Presses stuff. I I took lessons I learned from you guys and put that into my record. Thank you so much. That's, uh, yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's weird. a very important and wonderful thing that happens actually in New York um, that all of the like there's like it's a spectrum continuum kind of like circular onto itself all of the bands in New York are just like just borrowing the right flavors there's definitely something going on here and I mean for years obviously I'm, I'm probably like the 150th person to say it but it still is like very much that everybody's got a little bit of the same sauce that they that they throw their own shit on and i'm i'm thankful to be a, a piece of it dude even what you said that fucking their teeth on 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 a gear is just like so sick that's honestly how i feel uh even about ourselves <laughs> where we're at. so when you when you say that about new york are you saying that everyone's kind of playing with the same kind of drawing from the same retro threads no, not like retro threads. I, like that's that's not the thread I think they're pulling on because there are very modern sounding bands and all this shit and, and like everything else. I don't know, man. There's just a vibe to it. There's kind of like um maybe I guess I guess like even even with like the harder shit, there's still like kind of this jazz to it that is um is kind of like you can hear it. You can hear it's New York. See, when you when you were saying that everyone's kind of drawing from different flavors or similar flavors, I, I guess like the textures and the flavors I'm getting off of this last record of yours is there is it's kind of like retro, yeah, retro textures, but but it I would never confuse it for something too old, you know? Like you guys sound very new, very contemporary. The pop angle definitely feels like it's like current. Like who are who are some of like the like you you go by Lady Skaga on some socials. Uh, I assume that Lady Gaga is a real influence of yours, as well as like some other like maybe like maybe Gwen Stefani. I don't want to pigeonhole you as a, the ska woman, but like you know, I assume that Gwen Stefani is probably part of it as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think growing up in the you know in the nineties and two thousands and stuff like that, I was obsessed with Gwen Stefani. I'm not gonna front. I was like great, and I was like, I want to be her, and blah blah blah. I was like, my brother gave me her album. He's like, I don't like this, and um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, just, I I actually got the No Doubt album from my brother in some <laughs> kind of trade. I think it was for Unwritten Law or something. <laughs> Yeah, and I was like obsessed. I loved it. Um, even so much so that like in Miami, people were comparing me a lot to her voice that I just stopped listening to it. And it was like heartbreaking because I was like, I cannot sound like her. I, I completely just stopped listening to No Doubt. I haven't listened to it in a very long time. But um, uh, now I listen to it because I get like cover gigs and stuff like that. But whatever. So that, you know, I so I was big, big on that. Um, you know, growing up in my household, we listened to just a lot. My mom like loves uh, pop music and anything that's like, you know, whatever's on today. And so I think, yeah, Lady Gaga, um, Amy Winehouse. You know, yeah. um, and then even going back to like, you know, you have like Diana Ross and the Supremes and you have 
Um, and you have Aretha Franklin is one of my favorites. Um, even even the jazz music I listened to as a kid was always sung by Ella Fitzgerald. Like I'm big on female singers and I like that style of writing, I suppose. The Beatles is huge for both Danny and I. Um, you know, Blondie, Blondie and the B-52s. Ali and I have both had big respect, or like a huge respect for kind of like pop throughout the years. Yeah, We're yeah. both like as songwriters, we're very analytical about like the shit that we listen to and it's top to bottom. It's like, okay, this verse or this melody or this uh you know instrumental lick i'm obsessed with it i'm dying with it because of this and xyz and how it fits into itself and like that's how we listen and we like all these people that she talked about were like like changing the game or killing the game at the time that they were and i did i'm just i love it in in that way and all that stuff and like even like that all the modern stuff like people talk a lot of shit dude but like taylor swift can write a goddamn chorus and i'm sorry sorry too like bruno mars like you watch some Uh of those concerts and um what their background uh dancers are doing and singers like a lot of that is just like some of those are just solid songs and it's like Look, you don't got to convince me. I am a, a slut for pop. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, in your music, I think also just the the presence of backing vocalists like that are dedicated people that dance and sing backing vocalists is such a dedication to hooks, visual hooks and, and musical hooks. Yeah. Uh, that's like that's pure pop. And I love that about about your band. Thank you. Um, but also, while you were listening to these bands, everybody that's not like 80s and older, like the some of the more contemporaries, like Bruno Mars, Lady Gaga, uh, Amy Winehouse, all have a retro bend to them as well. That is very true. Big facts. Yeah. And I so and I wanted to bring up this retro New York thing to jay again because i once saw a social media post i think it was about the cabron bros record right uh, where you said something about like we're rehashing something that's been done to death or something like that mm-hmm. maybe I'm, I'm probably using the wrong words but it seemed um, like it, that was more I, I think that was more about me like i'm always you know with fashion certainly music style like i'm a very slow learner and you know i find i like resist a trend until i'm just like <laughs> bored with what i'm doing and i'm like okay i guess i'll wear like skinny millennial pants now you know like 10 years (laughs) after skinny millennial pants or something you know um and so yeah that was like something about like oh i was messing around like i had a drum kit so i was like messing around with like some you know funk and psychedelic and acid rock stuff that like everyone else had been doing in new york and everywhere else for like 10 or 15 years or you know one of the things i wanted to bring up about new york though is that Apart from ska, there is a pretty serious, like, retro tradition, especially lately in, like, I mean, I guess in, like, the the reggae, the Rocksteady revival kind of thing, but also in, like, Daptone. And yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at, is I thought, I thought that was what sure, and, yeah. they were kind of... And, and I feel yeah. like you, Jay, are way more in touch with that New York 
retro thing than a lot I'm on the, of the ska scene. <laughs> and I think you know, that you are somewhat. I'm kind of on the fringes of that. I'm definitely not in the click. Well, I'm of definitely course you're not, not in that I, that I, tone uh, inner click. That's definitely its own thing. And and you're not the only one doing you know ska and reggae music that's uh, you know on the periphery. But you are, I think, the biggest creative force in the ska scene that's cre- that's connected to that. And I think that whether you acknowledge it or not, no, I definitely has, uh, has inf- influenced the Crazy Baldhead records and now um, the new Slackers record. And I think yeah, I'll be the, the first uh, to admit, like yeah, okay, Victor Rice is my main teacher, but the main engineer I'm trying to emulate. I'm really like learning from and who also mentors me as well is Victor Axelrod um and uh-huh. I definitely pick up a lot of technical pointers and stuff from Brett Tubin who was kind of I wouldn't say like a student of mine but he was he first came around version city when I was engineering there and he was 15 so it's like now I call hit him up for ideas and and technical advice and stuff like that but definitely um, Victor Axelrod, I definitely check his stuff and and use his mixes as a yeah. reference. He did a, a remix of a Sharon Jones tune in 2004, which is almost 20 years ago. How long do I have to wait? Yeah, and that was the year I joined the Slackers. And to me, that record is Brooklyn Rocksteady. Like that is the sound. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like LA Let's all just take a moment and talk sound. about how good that track is. It's okay. amazing. And oh it, my god, the bubbly is- organ. every all the little details and like la definitely has like the retro thing down really hard with the early reggae of course Um, there is that certain kind of little sound or those little eras of music that they're really i don't hear at least i don't hear anyone from the la scene touching on and you know they, they do the shit really authentic like frighteningly authentic and i definitely respect that mm-hmm. um but like the kind of axelrod led scene um it's definitely there it you can hear that it's modern but it just has this also this certain something but they also go for like a slightly different sound it's like maybe a, a year or two later than the early reggae stuff that you know the la scene goes for so it's a particular <laughs> era but it also has its own distinct way of being mixed you know it, it is a thing that i'm constantly hearing new things in those tracks that i try and pick up on um and either emulate or at least do like well, where are they coming from without actually copying the sound like what are they trying to do with this what is it what is it supposed to be doing to the ear you know right so is that something that you can do with the mix and that you can do with the mix of a stop the presses record because i do hear some something in what you've absorbed is coming through in the mix of this new record in particular less so than the previous to. one to be honest yeah but uh, also you have to do what the material calls for and also what oh, the of course i mean yes wants, but you know where it's like stop the presses have a modern sound they definitely have like this modern multiple vocal sound which we went for um like wider and much poppier and more radio and i like it better because that's really more the sound of the band um but yeah it's it's also this record 
was kind of brought to me like last minute, like literally days before. <laughs> oh, boy. oh God. Sorry to blow up your Oops. spot. About I, about I, I want to talk about it because I, it, it is only more of a credit to how much of a fucking beast you are. And yeah, I was like, oh my God, what the fuck did I get myself into? We, we, we were very yeah. sloppy. We and not organized on this record. We had COVID and that was the, the bummer for me. I wanted to take more time yeah. on so, I know. certain tunes. I was like, oh God, if like I had a, a couple of weeks to really like tear this tune apart and like dot every I and cross every T on this tune and like you know, this could be the fucking masterpiece, you know, but it was like, oh, clock's ticking. All right, let's go. Next tune. Honestly, thank God Allie and I got COVID on our last gig of the year that that um, year. It was like December um, 18th or 17th or something like that. We played a wedding and both got COVID and then I couldn't go to work for two weeks. And that is how we finished the record. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just like uh, <laughs> still cutting parts and like, yeah, my voice is still fucked up. Like, were and, and and we sang a lot of tracks for each song too. I think this is like probably the most tracks we had done for any of our songs before. Also, um, because there's like a lot of layering and stuff like that, even with the vocals. Yeah, right. Um, and it's always that thing too, is like you like you listen, you're like, oh, it still needs this. And, oh, I still want to add this. Hold on, hold on, I need to add this other thing. And then mm-hmm. you know, no, no, just leave it. It's fine. Just let it go. Let it go. Yeah. Just let it go. It's yeah. done. And I I I like to take my time. It may too. always be like that. Even on Money yeah. in the Bank, there was things that were like in the, the studio or even at like the old Stabby Road that we were in the room that I was like, oh shit, I'm just going to add this like, um, this like, you know, toots and the mantles like, like scale climb that I'd never heard before until like right now. You always want that. Like, you know, that's there's, there's room for all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, even, you know, while you're trying to run. The good thing with digital is like, you don't, you know, like, you don't have to commit a track on a tape machine to it. You know, there's like, oh, you have an idea. All right, let's put down three different versions of this. And then if one, if you don't like this one, we could mute that and use this other one, you know. Right. I, anytime I like record what's happening in the room or whatever, when I'm playing and then I'll listen to it back later. And I'm like, I don't really, like I shouldn't have been doing that. This is the part I should have been playing. So it's, I can't even imagine how people did that because like, how did they know immediately like, oh, this is the right <laughs> keyboard part for this song in that moment in real time. Whereas like me, I'm the type of person I listen to it later and I was like, oh no, that completely doesn't go there. With this <laughs> drummer, what they're doing? Absolutely not. I should be doing this. I'm I like, can, I just- I can think of 10 things that are better to play there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I like to, that's even just how I like to play with play with other, with other people is just like listen to the song and think about it as a songwriter. Okay, like where's the space, you know? Where should, where should I fill in and where should I not? So you you guys are a couple, right? Yep. 
So you live together, you know, you get COVID together, you write songs together. Um, <laughs> classic. Classic. No, so, so yeah, is, is the... Is it always simpatico with the songwriting or is it is there a little bit of tension? Is it is it do you guys I guess do you guys find like a, a, a sense of agreement in the songwriting or or is it like any other thing and couples have to work through it? I mean all of those things. Okay. The, okay. The reason why it works is that we were songwriters first. She like she and I um, worked really well together right from the beginning. I had like kind of like the right overlapping influences. We both like really liked um, classic rock, psychedelic rock, um, punk, all like the same punk records. And then, like I said, that whole pop thing. And then we both like studied music our whole fucking lives um, and could communicate on just this like level that was like right, like absolutely right. And then other, you know, other communications started happening. Um, but, but the first thing was honestly, we worked really well together. And I think that still continues. Um, I think we're both like, it, it is hard because of that whole thing of like, you want your, you know, undying support from your partner, but you got to be honest in music. And yeah. both of those things are not like, they're not at odds. They're not mutually exclusive. Like real support is real support, you know, yeah. and you don't want anybody, like you want somebody to warn you about, you know, the dog shit on the sidewalk or the shit in your teeth. And like that applies mm-hmm. to me. Um, and we do that like super fucking well for each other still. And, honestly. I think, and I think also you want somebody like you want a partner that believes in you. And I feel like we both want to be here. Um, I still believe in this marriage. Right. And it's the same thing with the band. It's like, um, you know, sometimes your ego does like, oh, you don't like this thing I wrote What the fuck, man. And you kind of have to just. I mean, we have that rule of like, whatever the song calls for, it's not about how I feel right now. I still believe in your ideas. I still believe in you. I still know that this is the, you know, oh, the yeah. way. No, I like that though, that I, I, there's not a lot of couples that I could imagine um, successfully like pivoting to songwriting together, but that, that this songwriting is a key component to your relationship. That's uh, it's work, dude. I mean, it's work. Yeah, like That's really else. awesome. Genuinely. I don't want to put like, rose-colored glasses on anybody about it it is actual fucking work you have to like Mm -hmm. um you gotta want to be here and it's like it still works So what do you guys uh what do you guys have coming up in the future? Any new music, any tours? What's going on? Our Christmas song just came out. <laughs> a, a rose such a clatter, uh 23 music uh 23 minutes of ska. And then we're playing in Connecticut at the end of the month, December 30th. Um, and that's gonna be fun. That's with Spring Hill Jack. Yeah, we got a couple of festivals lined up for 2024, and we're like promising ourselves that we will have a record in time for that. Festivals already lined up for 2024. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how people do this. That's how they do I've, it. I've never been good at being a musician. <laughs> and no, it's crazy because I was like, I thought it was 2023. And then it was like, no, this is all for 2024. So good though, but it's good things. It's good things lined up. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be well, just stuff. a stunt on everybody. I'm gonna start booking 2026. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> 
Uh, Jay, what do you, uh, you've got this new label. Old Neighborhood, which has got some fantastic music. This, yeah. this Sada Soul. Uh, Sada Soul, yeah. Um, that is the last record. floored me. That is a Victor Rice production. That's the first, I know. the third record on the label, the third release, but it's the first one not produced by myself or Dan Brenner. Like, I'm sorry uh, to gush about one you didn't produce, but it's so no, good. that's fine. And I'm I glad also really anyone's really paying attention to it. You know, um, it got played on the Craig Charles Funk and Soul show on BBC Six a week or so ago. Whoa. And um, yeah, I, there, uh, like after after it came out, like for a couple of days, like there was a, a few t a few nights I was driving around like 20, 30 minute drive, just listening to that and the B side just on repeat. I'm oh, like, man. God, this is such a vibe, man. talked to Vic Rice about it. I was like, you know what? I like the tune. It's a banger. And I know enough people that are into like soul and reggae and ska and play new stuff. And this is, it has that like, it has like a land of a thousand dances or that kind of really peppy thing where like yeah. the drummer is just driving the tune, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. like everyone just hold on for dear life. I liked it immediately. I was like, I'll put money behind this. We'll see what happens. And if I am stuck with boxes of them that I have to sell over the course of 10 years, I'm okay with that. So, and luckily <laughs> I'm, I'm not. It's like, I still have copies of it, but it's doing fine. Well, stop the presses. I think you guys know who to call next. It's the one Victor Rice. Was it really? Yeah, I'm fired. Right? <laughs> <laughs> not at all, dude. Right. We're not, we're not moving on. Um, where I think we're home for quite a while now. Nice. Wow. Uh, yeah. Thanks for thanks for being on the show tonight, guys. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank y'all so much. This was us. so much fucking fun. To yeah. Do. We're better than the other Scott podcasts, right? <laughs> you don't have to answer that. You don't have to. No, I'll stop recording and you can. Answer that. No. <laughs> no. Seriously. Uh, thank you guys so much. And once again, you can get got it. You can get it on vinyl and digital and streaming and all of that good stuff. Uh, it's from Jump Up Records. It's on Spotify and it's on iTunes and it's on Bandcamp and it's on Instagram probably. It And it's really cool. It's a really good record. It's like poppy and it's Jamaican and it's, which means it's, it's classy and it's catchy. <laughs> <laughs> and again, thank you guys, all, all of you, uh, Danny and Allie and Jay for all being here. Seriously, thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Listener feedback is a segment where you, the listener, get the chance to speak your mind, offer corrections, and otherwise join the conversation. If you want to submit feedback to the show, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Or leave us a message on the HornPod hotline. Dial 16 HornPod 15. Oh yeah, I guess Matt. Should we still be on Twitter? Are we? Should we fuck off the Twitter? I don't know. What, do we, we have strong feelings? Oh, I didn't even. 
I say this every time we record, and I forget we even have a Twitter. So. <laughs> okay, so you, you wouldn't do mind. You, you do okay. you, JJ. I tell you, all we do is get tagged in stuff by like promos, like the English beat likes to tag like all the ska podcasts in the world. And this is like, then it's all every time someone replies to that or likes it, I get a notification. It's like, I don't care. This, what, what does this have to do with me? Man. Or my show. I don't know. Yeah. What so a, Twitter. What a weird way to hustle. I don't, I don't under, I've never understood the appeal of Twitter. Yeah. All right. But we do have uh, a bit of uh, listener feedback or maybe guest feedback is more accurate. Last episode's guest, Adam Reeves, the creator of the Don Drummond comic book we talked about, wanted to call with a bit of an announcement. And here he is. Hey, Matt and JJ. This is Adam Reeves, creator of Trombone Man, Scars Fallen Genius. And I guess you already saw that the crowdfund campaign on Kickstarter is fully funded. We are so excited to be moving into the production phase of the comic. And I just want to say a massive thank you to you guys for all your support with the podcast feature and all your sharing on social media. All this makes a difference. So, yeah, look forward to sharing more of the project with you as we move forward and wishing you guys a happy holiday season and look forward to chatting with you again sometime next year. Cheers from Brighton, UK. So yeah, like, congratulations. That's really... So hell yeah, we, uh, we're going to take full credit for that. We did that. Um, we helped fund that, yes. Yeah, I mean, all of us did it. If you, I bet if you're a listener, you probably bought it because you're into the same kind of stuff we are. So we all did it, didn't we? And I'm stoked. Uh, stoked to get my stuff. I'm stoked for additional books. Uh, so congrats, yeah. I'm just excited for another way that the the story gets told. You know, there there's there's only so many I don't know documentaries that nobody's gonna watch, and so, so right. many podcasts that no one's gonna listen to where the the story of Scott gets told. So I think a, a comic book is is probably one of the one of the best ways. And so if if this can get anybody into the Scatolites more, or even just to appreciate the Scatolites more, I think I think it's it's gonna be so worth it. I think it's a, a really cool idea. Hell yeah. And uh, congratulations, Adam. Thanks for calling in. Yeah. Oh yeah, so I guess I guess also not really listener feedback, but we've got a, a little bit of an announcement. Uh, our friend Tim from the Supernova Ska Festival decided to join us with a, a little bit of a, an announcement, a little heads up on what's going on with next year's festival. So uh, welcome, welcome to Hornpod, Tim. Welcome, Tim. So one of the th- one of the things that I've noticed so far about the lineup of 2023's Supernova, both the bands that are announced and the ones that I'm privy to, is that the the scope of ska is so broad on this show. Because I think that in the past, ska festivals in general, I think, uh, at least in America, are so focused on... Third wave. <laughs> like, the, the scene, the ska scene. And some of the acts that you've attracted or that you may have landed... Uh, for next year are pretty far outside of the ska scene while still being undeniably connected to it of the same uh, influences, the same roots. I mean, I feel like it's the stuff we listen to, whether it's like the ska scene or not, you know? Right. And it's, and it's, it's like this and it's, it's ska music and it's reggae music. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that's kind of what we're going with is, um, obviously like the new tone bands and all those kind of things coming out. And, you know, there's a lot of offshoots um, 
But the third wave stuff is just like I go to some of these festivals and it's like a it's going to be AARP funded like pretty soon, like with all the, <laughs> the bands and the fans that are there, you know, and it's like yes. with with, um, you know, bad times or, you know, that's a, 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 you know, a pipeline for younger fans to come in like Latino bands. I think that's a, a, a real good avenue. You know, we have Out of Control Army and Adhesivo and obviously Voodoo's been in the scene forever. But, you know, like a lot of great bands that, you know, hopefully will bring that element to it. And then, you know, we're trying to get some of the the women bands in there as well. And I think that, you know, kind of some of the, you know, some of the other ones I mentioned to you, um, we've got, you know, by the time this airs, we'll, we're going to be announcing Uziman. I don't know if that rings a bell at oh, all. Oh, but... shit. <laughs> See, Take this my is breath the, away. This is that exciting shit. I am so excited. <laughs> so who's going to be Uziman's band with, with him? I'm guessing it's the full... What, whatever the the band is he plays the with in New Watts? York, yeah, I th- yeah is I think it? so. Yeah. Oh damn, because I would love to see them too. Like I don't know, like Uziman is so niche and like and low key like like I'd put Uziman on my bucket list. Like I like top ten <laughs> artists I want to see Uziman like because I've seen a lot of them. Okay, I saw Lee Perry, I saw Kanye, uh, I never saw Uziman. <laughs> He's on the list. He he's the one like like every band that comes out I know exactly how you know I feel like I know how it's going to play with the fan base and everything what's going to be said and that one's one that I'm like ooh I don't I it's a wild card like oh man but, no I, I think, think I think awesome. there's going to be people that have never heard of him that are going to be like <laughs> you know just like he's he's absolutely going to blow minds he's also going to upset people this story I Have you guys, is um, Ian Fidance on your radar? Oh, yeah, dude, that little video he did, it, I've never seen anything like that. Like, that is such a crazy yeah. thing to do. Yeah. And then I watched, a, I, then I watched like a 20-minute set of his on, on YouTube or something, and I thought he was real funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's he's everywhere and like we I think we we signed him he had like forty thousand people on Instagram following him and he's up to like ninety three thousand or something now like in just a couple you months you got him on the rise huh yeah and yeah. he's gonna be he's gonna be at the uh, supernova yeah, he's, he's one of the he's hosts. gonna be the MC yeah the yeah. host for... God, this is gonna be such a great show yeah so you know the challenge I I think right, the biggest challenge I'm having so far is like how to um, you know, who gets top billing on the poster all the way down? Cause some of these bands are, you know, they're, they're incredible. Like even at the bottom, it's like, you know, they'd be, you know, they could headline a festival somewhere else, you know, but we're like right. putting the lineup together, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it's, you know, I mean, just the, the end of the day is like each one of these could be its own festival, like each day. Um, so it's, it's great. And then, you know, to have some of the bands like the, the duelers coming in or Pannonia all-stars, I don't know if you have yeah. followed them at all. Um, I but love I mean, the duelers. Yeah. yeah and the I'm duelers so excited to see here. the duelers too. Yeah. Nobody's seen them in the U S like, I mean, other than if they went to, you know, Europe, but they never played the U S and their manager reached out and, you know, been, we've been following them for a while, but 
um, got all that locked down and, um, yeah, we just have to work on visas like all of 2023, <laughs> get that in. in so the you're involved in the, in the visa process? I guess I didn't, I didn't realize that. Well, I mean, bands would normally do all that themselves, but these are, you know, a lot of DIY bands and like, they're kind of bootstrapping to even get here. So they're not hiring lawyers or anything. We're just trying to get everything started early as possible. And I used to work for the US state department and have a lot of friends in the visa sections and, you know, just want to make sure like we, you know, it, like it wasn't our fault last time around. It was COVID, but, you know, like Dr. Ringding last time got all the way to, I think, Ireland, like trying to get to the U.S. for the festival and then got turned away because of COVID, yeah. you know, protocols. So this time around, it's like we just want to make sure we've got, you know, everybody's got everything, you know, weeks, months in advance. I think more than probably 14 bands, I think, are international this time around. Uh, yeah, it just sounds like we're, we're going to get, get a, a kind of a world festival here. Yeah. And that's, I think I mentioned it last time, but like the, what we're thinking about doing is like kind of, kind of like a world's fair, like pavilions where you will have like, you know, a Tokyo a city, like a London town, like things like that, where the alcohol, the the food will be kind of catered around that city. And then we have, Shit. You, know, you know what, can I, can I, can I stop? Can I stop you right there? I've got a name okay. for it. I've got a name for it. Okay. It's called Hepcot. Epcot. Oh my God! <laughs> Epcot oh, Center. Epcot well done. Center. Well done. <laughs> oh, I, I need to start with Matt Wixon every time I come up with an idea. Like, Look, throw this I'm, I'm I'm not great at execution, but I'm great at ideas. <laughs> yeah, that's where I miss. Like, I I got the idea. I got the execution down. Like, if you've got the ideas, so. And I'm the one that charges for names. How's that business working out for you so far? Dude, I just gave up like five free ones to my boss for cocktails and I'm feeling like a fucking idiot. Like I really need to like enforce my standards here. I I just like knocked all these home runs out for these cocktails and I'm making nothing over here. Why don't you give them out on the show too? These free cocktail names. I want to hear them. Oh, okay. So um, let's see. Okay. So they had a uh, kind of a rosemary gin and tonic. And I wanted to call it Dr. Vinny Boom Bots, but uh, <laughs> they went with my second choice, which is Frolic Tonic, Frolic and Tonic. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. What was the other one? Oh, yeah. We, we, there's this like um, this kind of, oh, I can't remember what's in it, but it's kind of like a fruity little cocktail. It's not a very masculine cocktail. And we <laughs> called it something for daddy. <laughs> which is which is kind of an inside joke on the wait staff is uh, about two or th- maybe even three Father's Days ago, me and this uh, young lady, Kinsey, we were like, all right, every table today, when we take the father's order, we say, and something for daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and so to get it on the drink list is like this like coup of inside jokery. So it did um, get on the drink list? Yeah, it's on the yeah, it's on the list. And we were, we were just, like, crying, laughing when she accepted it. Now, what do you think a fair rate would be for these names? Like 20, 20 bucks for a good drink name? I I I I've always said that twenty five dollars I think is a fair price for for naming a band, a song, a painting, a drink. Yeah, and I I really need to just like drop the paperwork and get and start getting things signed. If you got twenty five bucks and you need to name something, JJ is your man. And you look, what? look, he can he's he's building a portfolio of names. All right, so are we actually doing a Scott Cannon with you, Tim? Or yeah, sure. Well, all right. So let me read my my copy here. All right. The Scott Cannon is a segment where we three Scott aficionados decide which albums will be accepted by all future Scott scholars as key 
to shaping the ongoing definition of ska. And uh, the Scott Cannon lives at hornpod.org. Tonight on the Scott Cannon, we've got Tim, the uh, organizer of the Supernova Ska Festival. And for no particular reason at all, we are talking about Bedouin Sound Clash. talking about Bedouin Sound Clash because we just talked with Stop the Presses about pop and ska. And we thought, you know what a pop and ska band is that JJ and I both love, but we haven't put into the canon yet? Bedouin Sound Clash. Oh, yeah. And you know, you know who likes uncon- you know who likes a broad spectrum of ska music? Tim. From <laughs> Supernova. <laughs> Way to cover those bases. Also, we, Tim, I asked, after you agreed to this, I asked your wife, April, to join us, and she refused emphatically. And <laughs> She's around, I think. She, we, we extended the offer because I think she's, uh, she's as much a part of the operations of the, the festival as you are. And she also uh, told me I could be mayor of the Scott Festival, whatever the hell that means. Ooh, I like that. We're glad that we're glad to have you. No, no, you don't look at her. And make her <laughs> like, she doesn't no. want to be on. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. No, it's, no, it's cool. No. I... If France scores and I miss it, I'm so <laughs> mad and I'm taking away your mayorship. Now I get oh, it. Oh, God. Okay, go go back. Yeah, go, go <laughs> France. Let me start with this. Let me let me start with this, JJ. When was okay. the first time you heard Bedouin Sound Clash? Well, that's kind of a funny story, uh, Matt. You know, you know Gabe from from Pressure Drop Soundcast back in the day, and now now he is his his own his own man, his own DJ act going around. He's uh, the he's the the godfather of ska podcasting. Honestly, for those that don't know, uh, not only did he have his own podcast, but he tried to kind of create like an umbrella of ska podcast back in the very early podcasting days and try to like keep keep a bunch of us ska guys together and uh, and one easy place to, to to find i was first doing this kind of as a guest host on a couple of yeah. his podcasts and yeah. i kind of i kind of was doing a, a podcast called ska blah blah and uh, a blog at ska blah blah and I had kind of said, all right, I heard this band Bedouin Sound Clash and um, I'm not into it. I was kind of saying like, oh, these guys are very pretty and polished and clean. And it sounds like they're really trying to get a hit on the radio. And it just it, none of it like really hit me as like the the stuff that I was into. And Gabe came out swinging. He was just like, no, you're wrong. These guys are amazing. What's wrong with being pretty? And uh, <laughs> take another listen. Said it's wrong, but you know that the look on his face means he'll be back again. So see you later. Saturday on the night train with uptown boys who rock cocaine downtown. And he even made a poster. At some point, we decided to kind of like face off 
on certain topics, I guess. And he created a, a really ugly boxing poster. His poster game has way improved the past 20 years. <laughs> but yeah, he he had us like face off. And one of the topics was like Bedouin Soundclash. Like, like JJ's wrong about Bedouin Soundclash. And damned if he didn't <laughs> knock me out, I was wrong. Yeah. I love this band now. And so yeah, that's that's long story short, my 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 introduction. You look fine. No doubt on the main line. Man, for me, I, I know that I heard them before they were on the radio, but they were on the radio a lot here. Really? Uh, because here's the thing about Detroit. Our radio stations, a lot of them are in Windsor, Ontario. Oh, awesome. Which is literally just across a, a river uh, from Detroit. So it's like the same practical geographic area. But we get a larger, a far higher quantity of Canadian music in the Detroit area because of like how there's regulations about how many Canadian artists radio stations have to play. And Bedouin Soundclash uh, had like several like hit songs in Canada. Absolutely. Uh, but I remember seeing them shortly before any of that happened. I think it was the Warp Tour was the first time, my first exposure to them. And I'm like, this doesn't sound like anything I've ever seen or heard. And it's undeniably something ska and reggae. And it's like, I, I vibe with it, but it's real weird. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm gonna follow this. <laughs> yeah. How, how about you, Tim? When was the first time you heard them? I, I think the, the Sounding a Mosaic album, like I, I never listened to the radio and like, um, that that was one that it was kind of the dark days of ska, I think, and that was something that was kind of in the same family. And uh, yeah, I fell in love with it, w- love with it right away. And uh, yeah, that one in street gospels, like back to back, you know, like a couple of my favorite albums. it's something about that era too because Sonning a Mosaic was their second album I think it's their first really fully fully formed album Um, but it's like their second album and it kind of came out at a time like 2004 uh, like the early into the mid 2000s when Ska had definitely died but there were still people out there like this band formed over a mutual love of reggae that it's not really you wouldn't be it wouldn't be apparent if you listen to like half of their catalog but like, that's where it started. And it was like, what else can we do? The model, like, I don't know if they were looking for something specifically to do that wasn't ska, but what they landed on was something that was ska influenced that clearly wasn't ska by the, the standard definition. No, I feel like, okay, so if I were to describe it, I'd be like, okay, it's somebody that listened to a lot of ska, but also wanted to make kind of like some Peter Gabriel, some Paul Simon, some like general world sounds too, in addition to right. 
leaning on reggae, leaning there's, on. There's there's a lot of African guitar and African rhythm, mm-hmm. and it makes it very interesting. Yeah, I think that you know at that time it was like Gogo Bordello and Balkan Beatbox and all those like they were everybody was doing that world music thing at that mm-hmm. time, with so one that, toe in in reggae, right? Yeah, yeah. and reggae, reggae was connecting all of it. For me, it feels like they went away for a while. I don't know what they were doing. I know they probably had other music coming out, but I didn't really see it that much. And then that Mass album came out in 2019. It was just really incredible. That was something I wanted to mention was that this was kind of a band that I thought was kind of like, okay, in in the past. Like this was something that like kind of how I talk about the dead 60s was like something that kind of influenced the way I did my radio show and and, and a band I really leaned on. But you know maybe over and done with and then suddenly easy star records 2019 boom then 2022 (laughs) brand new record like so like uh to kind of explain the the gap after so they did an album in 2010 like the horizon and right before then their singer jay malinowski had made a solo album and it did okay and like the horizon we will talk about it's not my favorite of theirs but after that record, he did another solo record and worked on some other stuff. He was living in L.A. for a bit, living in Vancouver for a bit. Uh, so that's why Bedouin Song Clash was just not anything. Because the band has been like him and their bassist, the, like the two of them have been like the, the rock of the band. Yeah. And w- with him away from the bassist, he was just doing other stuff. So that's kind of what I wanted to say, like that there are are a couple that we could maybe eliminate from competition right off the bat. And that's because uh, what hit me and uh, like Tim said, right off the right off the bat was um, Sounding a Mosaic, their second record and Street Gospels, their third record really stood out to me at the time. Yeah. And I was very surprised to go back and go, oh, they did have a, a first record and it's it's okay, It's good. It's got some songs on it, but I don't think it's going to be Scott Cannon. I think we can cross off 2001's Root Fire right off, right? Root Fire probably wouldn't have even, like, you wouldn't have even heard it if they didn't, if Sounding a Mosaic didn't hit, like, they kind of re-released it and re-pushed it just to have something else to sell. But it, I, I don't think, it really just sounds like, some of it's cool ideas, but a lot of it just sounds like, a couple people jamming on ideas. It doesn't really sound fully fleshed out. Daryl Jennifer from Bad Brains producing, which brings a whole depth to the production. And their oh. the songwriting is so much more concrete. They're not just kind of vamping on phrases and stuff like and not not to say that like they didn't write songs for Root Fire, but like it's it's a, li- a lot more songy, I think. Mm-hmm. And, You're talking about sounding a mosaic, right? Yes. Uh this is the album for me that's got almost most of my favorite songs by them. Like yeah, I yeah, mean this is this is heavy the album I would lean towards. There there is honestly like 
cards on the table, there's no way I wouldn't vote for this for Scott Cannon. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I mean, the the Scottness of this album in particular is undeniable. It's not a Scott album, but it's very Scott. No, but they even have a song with with Rude Boy in the name. <laughs> they do, uh, and it's a jungle song. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. The, the the one of the cool things about this band is like they are you could I think they're ostensibly a ska punk band, but they a ska rock band maybe but, is like, more they, accurate. But I feel like the, they have they definitely have punk influence, but I think their punk influence stops in the late seventies. <laughs> And because they're referencing Jungle and they're referencing like 90s Buju Banton and like they're they're still very much engaged with reggae and I guess probably indie pop. Ref- There's probably a bunch of indie pop that they're calling back that I'm just not familiar with. Um, but in that sense that like or like or like what what Gabe and I talked about a long time ago is that they're like in a in a very not punk way. They're pretty. They're clean. They're polished you true, know true i mean like there it's like when i say i think it's sort of like a like that indie kind of punk where it's i don't know not not studs and mohawks punk that's <laughs> okay. for sure yeah okay but we're like I don't know. just like hair down in the face kind of <laughs> <laughs> come back sweet Satan. come Like, it's just such a, it's got so much variety. Like, to hear acoustic music, like, acoustic guitars with jungle and dub all together is such a wild trip. And, like, this this band, can like, even, like, still on their new record is, like, all of the stuff that we talk about is, like, the stuff on the periphery of Ska that, like, we, you and I, JJ, like, dig a lot. Uh-huh. Like, that's, like all they play with is like the stuff on the periphery and it's so oh yeah fun. no like songs like jesse went home is is like straight up kind of like it, it is like something you might hear off of graceland it's also something right, that like right. uh immigrant workforce is also one of those it's just like it's it's not quite ska but like you put that on a mix with a bunch of ska and reggae and punk and stuff it's like no one's gonna say it's out of place either you know right yeah 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 and i think you know looking at um you know, I feel like better when SoundClash. I don't, I don't know where they got all the influences that they got, but like looking at, you know, it it does feel like kind of merging all those those elements. Yeah. And I don't know where you get that in Canada. It's like they had a really good radio station they were listening to, or great parents. Well, or what? I mean, Toronto does have a very strong yeah. uh, like Caribbean population, a big immigrant yeah. population. And so they've they've always had a strong reggae. Like Prince Buster know. lived his last decade or two in Toronto. And a lot of people don't know this, but but the the legendary DJ Snow is from Toronto. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and there where Chris Murray came from too. Yeah. Oh, it's true. <laughs> it's it's so, very deep Toronto in the roots. <laughs> along along the lines of sounding mosaic, I feel like on the, I feel like kind of a, a a sister record to that one, kind of a, a or maybe even a brother. I don't know. I don't want to gender the record, but yeah, <laughs> but uh, very much akin to to sounding a mosaic was their follow up, 2007 Street Gospels. A lot of great tunes on this yeah. record, but I also feel so like okay, if the the second record, the one we just talked about, is a little pretty i would say it's um got a high spousal approval if you're if your significant other is not into <laughs> this kind of music like 
this is a nice, like, I can play this around. And but, so I would say the follow-up Street Gospels is even more in that camp. And even so to the point where one of the tunes got into an episode of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> it's silent in the early morning. The only sound is my breathing. As I lay awake, not knowing. Where it will be, I'm going. They, yeah, they have they have uh, uh, an appeal that you don't get in a lot of punk bands, a lot of ska bands, a lot of reggae bands. Uh, their tune "Twelve Fifty Nine Lullaby" in particular, like especially on this record, like, and I agree, like this is this sounds to me like a bigger, more polished, more broad version of "Sounding a Mosaic." Where it's like, it's all the stuff that was on Sonic Mosaic, but done with like production for your relatives to listen to it with you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like you said, your mom likes that one song. Like it's got mom approval. Yeah. And And, uh, what's wrong with being pretty, you know? Like, right. Yeah, let them be pretty, let them sound good, you know? Again, like this record for its pop songs, like uh, Walls Fall Down is a straight up ska song. <laughs> uh, while being the a poppy ass song, it was a top 10 radio single for them uh, yeah. in 2007. Like that was probably the highest charting ska song of the entire decade anywhere on the planet. It's a very emotional record. I feel there's there's a lot of like melancholy and um uh, like the nico on the night train uh uh, it does a really good job of capturing that like forgotten love lost love you know it's like wistful yeah love you don't really even care about anymore that kind of nostalgic crush you had you know uh midnight rockers just kind of has like a i don't know a vibe yeah yeah you can say that about a lot of a lot of these records is they have a particular vibe that they don't really stray from. You said it was like a little bit more polished. This is, well, you mentioned um, like Peter Gabriel and Paul Simon, and like I, I see that here for sure. Um, I, you know, I, I like this album just as much um, as sounding a mosaic. I, I, I didn't realize they, they had such big radio hits, though. Yeah, um, even I mean, what I was doing at that time, I didn't. I really didn't but, listen to radio, but I'm looking but, at the numbers now, and it's it was huge. It was like second in Canada on the charts. Yeah, like this was it debuted at number two on the Canadian albums chart when uh, when Street Gospels was released, and it was it's certified gold uh, in two thousand eight. Again, like it's a Canadian band, and we think of Canada as part of American culture. As someone that gets radio stations from Canada, Canada is a wildly different place. <laughs> 
All right, so in 2010, they hit us with uh, Light the Horizon. And while I've gone back to it a few times, because I like a couple tunes on here, I just can't connect with this this record very much. I don't know about you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to hear you. No, it was forgettable for me. I think it, that was like peak uh, iTunes, and I probably downloaded those couple songs you mentioned and didn't really go back to the rest of it, unfortunately. Uh, you know, you know me. I like a lot of like genre, uh, like movie genre based sky, like the spaghetti western sky, like the the country stuff and the and um in different and like horror sky and stuff like that. Th- this this definitely plays around with with some of that genre, especially the western stuff. Um, and I and I do feel like it's got, like I said, a vibe and it's consistent. It just there's not a lot of peaks and valleys for me. There's just not like a lot of stuff to, for me to hold on to. Yeah, to me, to me, it feels just kind of bland and uninspired generally like it doesn't have it doesn't have any of those moments where you're like oh you're doing something cool it's just kind of it's kind of consistent which is not what i love about the band to this point And so this next one, I got to say, for me, uh, 2019. So, yeah, like, like you said, Tim, the uh, they took kind of a hiatus, came back in 2019, hit us with Easy Star Records, Mass. And I, I, I don't know if it's like a press issue. Like, I didn't hear anything about this a couple years ago. Maybe... Maybe COVID news eventually sucked all the air out of the. I don't. I don't know. I just. I'd never listened to this until last week. What do you? What I do you did guys? not know that you'd only listened to this last week oh, wow. because this was. I'm pretty sure I put this on my list of best albums of 2019. Uh huh. Yeah. I we can we can listen back. I, I, I would have listened to everything you put on that list. Are I you don't kidding know. me? I'm not sure. But it, it, you know what? It might. I might not have put it on a horn pod list because I might not have classified it as a sky album. Okay. Well, I really, I fucked up by not listening to this. I don't know, but yeah, when this album came out, I was aware of it, and I do. I was listening to it the entire time because it floored me. One, the better when Sound Clash was back because I had thought as well that they were just a band I was never going to hear from again. Uh, but two, uh, it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got a heaviness that I'm not used to from them. There's a weight to it. Yeah, uh, maybe a mass to it. A mass to it. Okay, all right, very yes, all right. I it was right there in front of me and I missed it. Look, I'm I'm I'll, I'm not good at execution. I'm just good at ideas. On this one, like I think that, like the, the they were they were rolling it out like a, a song a month or a song every few months. I was yeah. kind of a, like Saltwater came out and I think Born in a Bad Times and Clockwork. Like we're anyway, it was I'd kind of given up on them up you know at that point, and then those tracks kept coming out and they were, everyone was great and yeah, the album is I think it's phenomenal. I think Matt's right; it's like one of the best albums of what 2019 for yeah. sure. Uh, like some of the song, the sounds on this record remind me of Oingo Boingo, and I think it's partly the like the vibes or the 
you know, whatever that percussion is. Um, yeah, maybe a glockenspiel. I don't uh, know. Yeah, um, I'm sure we could look this up. But I'm, I'm, oh, marimba, marimba, Mike Dillon, marimba. Absolutely. Uh, like that's that's got a lot to I, that makes it kind of feel. Well, it adds to the Caribbean worldliness to it too. It's you know not just Jamaica but surrounding areas. World, feels, yes, yeah. worldliness, yes. Uh, and it feels this feels almost like a like it does feel upbeat almost new wavy like mm -hmm. a like oingo boingo but like if oingo boingo did a folk world record <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I don't know. I think it's this. This was an interest. Like it doesn't really sound like the the two albums we've said we like so far. It sounds like quite a far departure. His vocals are starting to change here. I would say in the previous records, he's got a real almost Marley kind of crack to his voice. Yeah, he does kind of have like a warble kind of like a Bob Marley. Almost, I kind of think his voice is sort of sting sometimes. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's come back with a much more confident sounding voice, uh, like a more steady held voice, you know? Yeah. And so and so in that sense, like they really have kind of come back with it with a with a different sound. I I really feel like I'm going to listen to this record more. I feel like I'm gonna go back and learn to appreciate this record. But like like I said, I've only really I've really only touched on it. I don't feel confident that it's a contender for me yet. I don't know if you guys feel too strongly. I like I said, I don't wanna argue, well, but I'm I'm gonna say that JJ, I know you and you're absolutely gonna keep listening to this album because <laughs> okay. I have. Um also, that said, I do think it's probably, I, I don't think it's right for the, uh, for Scott Cannon consideration. Just based pa on part, content. Partly because it's so new. Too new, yeah. And partly because, like, yeah, I don't know, maybe in 10 years when we're still doing this podcast and we're on episode 60 or whatever. <laughs> uh, 60, oh man. Uh, that's a dig on us. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like in 10 years, there will be a whole new movement of ska that was like influenced by this. And we'll be like, yep, this is where it all started. Yeah, I feel like this is like their Sandinista almost, like their style. Yeah, that's a good, walk, that's a good description. Know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, this record also started a lyrical trend. He is one of the few songwriters that I feel like really kind of dips into an almost Vic Ruggiero style lyrics at time. Like, how would you describe a sort of Vic Ruggiero kind of songwriting? Well, okay. So, so something about Vic uh, that he sings a lot about is uh, dates, uh, how the weather feels, how the how the the day feels, how the season is. Like, there's a he he likes to try to sensory moment capturing and and you'll see that jay in this record mass has started a uh, motif of weather that very much carries over into the next record their latest record from 2022 
we will meet in a hurricane. If you listen to the lyrics of this record, almost all of them have to do with weather. <laughs> I did not <laughs> notice that. <laughs> it really makes me feel like he, he, um, in order to songwrite, has to connect to something. The, the way that I say, like, Vic likes to connect to the day or the, the moment. Um, I, I feel like he somehow is grounding himself in what the earth is doing that day. And I don't know. I, I don't know what that means. I haven't had enough time to pontificate Man. on it, but um, I enjoy that as, as an idea. I like, I like where he's coming from on this. And there's a song on this record called A Torn Jacket with Silver Lining that I heard for the first time today. And I think it might be my new favorite song. I I love this song. <laughs> I, I'm crazy about this song. I yeah. best one like there's a couple forgettable songs before it and then that one comes on and it's yeah it's phenomenal I yeah started over i'm like wait 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 what am i listening to my new favorite song yep yes <laughs> exactly <laughs> this album feels I, I like it a lot i don't like it as much as mass and it feels like a, a logical kind of follow-up to mass uh but the way that it rolled it rolled out with a bunch of singles and like kind of eps of various combinations of tracks and then dubs of some of the tracks. Mm, I uh, hear that. Yeah, there's there's a whole EP of dubs of some of these that uh, Daryl Jennifer did. But this, but there's also, I think, I think the one thing that I would say is like this seems like it's the it's mass for the streaming era. Uh, partly in the way that it was rolled out to just generate as many streams on the same songs as possible before this album came out, just to mm -hmm. like present the album as maybe it's going to sound like this. Maybe it's going to sound like that. Um, and then with all the guest vocalists, uh, with the skints and Amy interrupter and yeah, it's like algorithm spiking in a way. Yeah. That's yes. That's what I'm trying to say is like the whole thing feels very algorithm. Like they, they're aware of how the algorithm works now and they're using it to their advantage and I'm not faulting them. I at all for any of this, by the way, I'm just observing it. No, but yeah, like um, what you're saying is the same. <laughs> we've been saying they're commercial. They're, they're a commercial band. They're yes, they, they tour with is, no doubt. You know, they're here to, they're here to make money. Yeah. This is a project. This is a, this is an act. They have a thing, they get together and they make money doing music. That's what, and they make killer music. And to hear them do a ska song with, the singer of the interrupters and then it's dubbed by the dude from bad brains is such a wild <laughs> combination of individuals and influences and and i feel seen when they do stuff like that exactly <laughs> like this is the band that's like like that's that specific thing is not really commercial but they're doing exactly. it in such a way that hundreds of thousands of people are listening to it <laughs> yeah 
And and I guess that's where where I was wrong initially was I was like, oh, here's some really poppy band that is playing with the styles that I take very seriously. Um, and what I needed to recognize, what Gabe helped me realize oh so long ago, was that they they really do have the same influences. They're just going in this this higher road, if you will. They're just taking it on that pretty pretty parade float. All things have silver lining in the morning. All right, so we've kind of we've kind of uh, hit the broad spectrum here. Let's let's talk. What's what's going in? What do we want? Uh, is it is it sounding a mosaic like I think? Uh, Look, I think it's for me. It's guaranteed yes for sounding a mosaic for for it's a thumbs up for me it's i'm not the only voter it's a thumbs up for me and i think it's probably a thumbs up for everybody and maybe we can get that out of the way what do you think it's him yeah i'd say for sure yeah sounding mosaic for sure i was thinking about being a detractor but as we've been talking about i'm like i can't deny i love this band like it's influenced (laughs) me and the songs i play uh forget about it yeah i'm i'm in sounding a mosaic sky cannon Okay, so I think we can say Root Fire, Light the Horizon, definitely not. Mm-hmm. And you said Mass and We Will Meet in a Hurricane too soon. Too soon for either of those, for sure. So Street Gospels is all we got left. Yeah, so that just leaves it. the third record, Street Gospels from 2007. So, man, I don't know. I It's hard for me to call this a ska album, but if this was in the ska canon, I think that that would be fine with me. <laughs> I almost want like a greatest hits record from these guys or not greatest hits, but you know, like best of, like, I feel like uh, a really good mix of their records would be like really essential Scott listening. Like there's a few tunes on here. Like I like the opening track on street gospels until we burn into the sun is such a fucking killer song. Um, and yeah, just the emotions they hit. Like I was saying on this record are really great, but I just don't know if the whole thing needs to be listened to that's fair that's fair going forward that's fair that's my take i mean that it does have the song when walls fall down which is one of their most ska songs and one of their biggest hits fair what do you think tim are you going to be the the champion for for street gospels I mean, I, I if it came down to listens, I'd probably listen to this album more than the other ones, and I, I know every note on it. Um, no, actually, I, the truth is, I listen to this a lot more than I listen to the, oh, okay. any of the other okay. albums. Yeah, I don't know. From that perspective, I don't know. I, it's probably not canon, but I, I love this album. So how about we say Sounding Mosaic is canon and Street Gospels is a strong recommendation from the three of us? Man, I, I feel, yeah. Or are you yeah. going to step up? Matt's going to no. take it. I Oh, let me listen to a song real quick. No. <laughs> Sit still while I listen to this. Listen to this record from beginning to end. Uh give me 43 minutes, please. <laughs> no, I don't I don't I don't think it needs to be. I think that No, you know what? No, I'm going to stand up for it. I've changed my mind. I've, I'm standing up for it. I think this is a Go better on. I think this is a better pop record while still having undeniable ska songs that were pop songs. And I think as an example of post-millennium, like ska pop music, like like this is one, these are two of the most successful uh, albums released by bands that are arguably of our scene of the entire decade. And they're both really good also. <laughs> <laughs> and 
this one in particular has a polish and a pop presentation, a mom appeal that the other one doesn't. And I think that that's also an important part of where Ska was at in this decade. And I think that it's worthy. I think Ska, I think Street Gospels is also worthy of being in the Ska canon for these reasons. So that's a yes vote from Matt. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying thumbs up to Street Gospels. You can both say thumbs down, and no, no, it's no, gonna no. be fine. I'll, I'll jump but... in there. I'll jump in there, Matt. I love it. Like, go for it. I give a thumbs up. <laughs> All right, like the Iron Sheik with the referee's back turned. I'm pulling an iron bar <laughs> from my boot, and I'm sneering at the crowd. I'm the real heel here because I'm just gonna say no. I'm sorry. Like I, I love, I love Street Gospels. I, I just don't think it's. I don't think it's canon dog, man. I know. I, I haven't said no in a while either. Yeah. I haven't said no in the face of yeses in a while. I should say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. To recap, most of uh Bedouin sound clashes library is highly recommended by us, especially their second and third records. And I got to get on these uh, last two that they did because they are a whole new thing and uh, something very appealing to me. But the one that made it in is sounding a mosaic, and I'm the stick in the mud on old street gospels, and that's <laughs> how that's gonna be. Uh, Tim, thank you for coming by, man. I cannot wait for Supernova. It's gonna be my first one, and there's no way I'm gonna miss it because this is uh, it's everything you said. Every <laughs> single artist you said is somebody that I'm never gonna get a chance to see unless I go. Like that's the only way I'm gonna do it. You know? Yeah. Don't you mean Hepcot? Hepcot. 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 I'm not, how else am I going to get to Hepcot? <laughs> yeah, I love I love the World Pavilion idea. Yeah, After hearing Matt, though, I think I need a like a little Canada village or something. Like I left it out. Vegan poutine served by Danny Rebel. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, Tim, I mean, I appreciate it. I love talking to you. I love what you're doing. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. And uh, I think we're going to have a two-story tower for you guys for the festival. So you'd be overlooking the bay and it'll be pretty cool. You look- oh, like a, a media pavilion kind of situation? Yep. Yeah, we're going to do like kind of half of this, like two, it's, it's a, like the only one that exists in North America, but this thing called a promobile, which is like a two-story, it's a huge bar underneath it. And then up on top is like an overlook. Sounds um, like we're the ones that are going to die when the storm comes through. <laughs> Make sure it's all put up, right? <laughs> only seven people died, all podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we haven't had good luck with weather, so maybe yeah, we can keep you guys low yeah. too if you, you want. You know what? I'm gonna call it right now. This this year, this 2023 supernova is gonna be. We're gonna have some great weather. I'm gonna call it right now. My <laughs> wife is behind the table knocking on the wood. Nice. <laughs> yeah, but thank yeah, thank you and and thank you for being such a tasteful curator of ska music for America. Because I don't know if you know that that's what you do just to bring everybody together, to bring bands to America that we otherwise wouldn't see. Uh, it's, it's such an amazing thing that you do for the American ska scene. World ska scene. Yeah, thank, thank you again for coming with us. Uh, thanks for chatting as always. Uh, if we don't see you before, then we'll see you in, in uh, Virginia. Okay, take care guys. Thank you for the time. Thanks man. Yeah, thanks. Um, this concludes another episode of Horn Pod. If you like this sort of thing, maybe tell your friends. Help us become the world's top ska podcast by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, but more than anything else, please just keep coming back for another episode of Horn Pod. I know we're going to be doing a year-end recap like we do, so uh, so keep your ears out for that. 
Keep, keep your eyes on the feed. What do, what do you do? Look at your phone. <laughs> uh, yeah, what JJ said. Um, we are going to be talking about our favorite records of the year. So if you want to even get a head start and give us a little phone call at 16 Hornpod 15 and let us know what you're thinking about, maybe we'll be uh, putting you into our show. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. We'll who, sh- who should we be making sure that we uh, that we consider for the list, you know? Yeah. If your band, if your band, hey, if you're listening and your band is going to be like maybe at best the 15th best Scott album of the year, you can call in and say, hey, you can't forget us. Because that way we'll have to play your message and talk about your album, even though we weren't going to. So go ahead. Why not? Yeah. Give us a for your consideration. Ooh. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll, we'll send you our Venmo. Again. <laughs> You can send all of your cocaine to our Venmo and we will play your music. All right, Matt. Thank you for all your hard work on this. I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate you as well, JJ. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. All right. We'll talk real soon. Bye.